here's the deal. Eating, working out, and having a body is meant to feel easy and natural, not like World War III. And that starts with thinking about these things differently. Shift your inner world and start thriving. This is the Think to Thrive podcast. Hang with me here every Wednesday where I'll be chatting with women who have gone from full speed ahead on the struggle bus to ease and flow in their health journey so that you can too. I'm Jenny Lurch, your host. I'm a certified health and wellness coach, intuitive fitness trainer, and body empowerment enthusiast. It is my literal life's mission on the planet to help women liberate themselves from the diet culture suck fest so that they can finally find flow in their health journeys and experience a joy-filled, meaningful, fun AF life. All right, ladies, let's freaking do this. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Think to Thrive, where we are making hella internal shifts and saying yes to the journey. Ah, pleasure to be alive today, pleasure. Okay, today I have another amazing woman to share with you. I loved being engaged in conversation with her. We, we just really vibed super hard. So her name is Bridget Shannon. On a mission to reclaim wellness from diet culture, Bridget is a health coach, podcast host, and co-founder at Wellness Lately. After becoming a certified health coach, spending 10 years working in the health industry while seeing a lot of kale-infused, lycra-clad bullshit, and healing her own history with disordered eating and body image challenges, she's passionate about helping women ditch dieting and embrace a version of wellness that actually feels good through intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Bridget has the beautiful energy of someone who is strong in their sense of self, comfortable with who she is, like she's not here to try and prove anything to anyone. She's light and enjoyable, yet knowledgeable AF. This is a good one, y'all. So she is here to share her journey with us of how she shifted her relationship with food, with body, with fitness from feeling frustrated, erratic, and sad to peaceful, joyful, and neutral. Some key points we cover in our convo today are how the BMI scale is whacked out and damaging, how a wellness obsession can be a guise for deep disordered eating, breaking out of the mentality of waiting on losing the weight to live life, the power of getting clear and taking action on your life desires, starting the recovery journey with self-kindness, the identity death and rebirth that comes along with this sort of journey, why pushing your comfort zone and the body you have is key, and so much more. Ugh, you're going to love this conversation. Okay, I have something exciting to share with you all. But first, I have some questions. One, do you feel totally confident and empowered and like a goddess around men? And this can be in the dating arena. This is during sexy time. This is when you're revealing your body to a man, when you're being touched. Um, If you're married, if you're dating, if you're in a serious relationship, whatevs. If your answer is anything less than a hell's yes, then I have a really exciting offering to share with you. Well, it's not an offering. I am hosting a live virtual panel. I'm bringing together a group of women who I've had on the show, TBD, who they are, and we are going to have a tell-all about all things how to feel empowered and confident and comfortable in your body around men. And this was born from um, this being a really big pain point for every single client that I have worked with. And so I know that it is, um, I mean, it was a huge pain point for me. And this is an arena that is really triggering and challenging. The details are still being worked out, but the working title right now is Loverfest. If you are interested in attending Loverfest, Um, It's going to take place sometime the week of February 21st. Um, It will be a live event. It will take somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour. 
if you cannot make the live event, you will get sent the replay. So um, if this sounds like it would be beneficial to you and your life, you can pop your name and your email in the link in the episode description and I will keep you in the loop with the details. I'm super excited about this. My intuition has been tugging at me to bring this event to life for a while. And what better time than February when it is the month of lovers. So you can go to jennylurch.com slash loverfest, J-E-N-N-I-E-L-O-E-R-C-H slash loverfest, or just click the link in the episode description. And I'm so excited to share this with you. Okay, I now present to you the amazing Bridget Shannon. Okay, Bridget Shannon, thank you so much for being with me today. How's it going? Hi, Jenny. It's good. Thanks for having me. I am, uh, I'm having a little snow day up here. It's a cozy Friday. All's good. Yes. Cozy. I'm in my robe. It's, nice. it's a, a cozy fest over here. Um, okay. So before we jump in, just to get listeners acquainted with who you are a little more, we're going to pretend this is your dating profile. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Yeah, just share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what things you enjoy. Yeah, I wish I could remember my exact dating profile copy to give you, but I'll do my best um, and a little extra. So as you said, I'm Bridget. I am uh, the co-founder at Wellness Lately, and our team helps women and binge eating and emotional eating and work through struggles with food really help to uh, get them out of that crazy yo-yo dieting cycle and we help them heal that relationship with food in their body. So we are intuitive eating and body image coaches, and we work with women in our coaching program, but also have a podcast and online community, uh, write for our blog, do some events. And um, yeah, I think that about sums up what we do. Uh, personally, I'm up in on the seacoast of New Hampshire. I live here with uh, my boyfriend and two crazy pups. And um I love, and a lot of plants as well. I, I was just thinking like, what do I love? I love my plants. <laughs> I love to read. Uh, I love to cook. Usually, you know, Friday night tonight, you'll find us just relaxing, record player on, making dinner, good book. That's about all I need. Wonderful. Awkward that you mentioned your boyfriend and your dating profile, but. <laughs> you know, what's funny. I actually met my boyfriend, um, on a dating app. And I like, wish I could remember specifics, but I remember putting, cause I have a dog and he has a dog. So we have a little blended fam in our house. And I remember writing on my dating profile, like dog mom package deal. And he was the same. So, uh, it's funny that you talk about, um, your, your dating profile. I love that. I, I met my boyfriend on a dating profile as well. And that's you actually did. where this question was born. Cause I was Funny. spending all this time on mine. Like, how do I accurately represent myself in this right. tiny little thing? It was like, a it's whole so thing. hard. It is a whole <laughs> thing. It's hard. How It's like a very existential question. <laughs> it totally is it's like, okay, how do I not perfectionist this? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So you are at this amazing place now in your relationship with food and with your body and exercise. Uh, but I know that that wasn't always the case for you. So right. can you just take us back in time and share about when you were maybe on the struggle bus and um, yeah, all that played into that time of your life? Yeah. Well, we have to go way back, Jenny. <laughs> we have to go like back to um, my childhood. I think if we start, look at the start of when that that struggle began. Um, I was, I remember vividly, um, when I started to struggle with my body and I was so young, I remember, you know, the, I remember my first diet in middle school. Um, so around, you know, 12 ish probably, but even before that, I was kind of a bigger kid, not always it, I remember it happened around a very specific growth spurt time, I guess. But I remember as a kid, you know, my parents, um, 
having me like go for a run before school or having me walk on the treadmill or like there was never any food in my house that was, you know, play food like sugar or something, you know, fun foods, right? Um, That was all off limits. So from a really, really young age, I kind of have had a tumultuous relationship with food. And I learned very early that my body was wrong, right? That that it was something that needed to be fixed or improved. So um, definitely some subconscious stuff going on there, right? Uh, Which we can talk about. But I remember my first diet was after actually going to the doctor and being told, you know, the good old BMI chart that I was a little high. And so really kind of freaking out at a young age that I was, you know, too, that something was wrong with me. Um, so my first diet was around 12 ish. And from then on, it was just a honestly decades of struggling, uh, all through high school, as I think a lot of, you know, high school girls do, um, through college and even into my twenties. I mean, I remember in college I lost, I was kind of weight cycling a lot, And I got really into running and really into, you know, nutrition. And so I, I remember thinking, well, I'm just going to double down on this. And I went to go work for a health coach training company after graduating. Um, And after a couple journalism job reporter jobs as well, but I remember, okay, this is it. This is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm so into health and wellness. I'm just going to make this my life. Right. So I went to go work for um, a health coach training company, thinking that would kind of help me get a handle, like get better at dieting, right? <laughs> get like even even more advanced at um, fixing my body, and that sort of deepened my disordered eating. It was a lot of learning about different diet types and different, you know, food behaviors, and it was really um, all consuming, and. I was on a different, I was trying a different thing every week, right? Like just trying everything. And I think on the surface, it was just kind of fun, right? I was thinking, oh, I'm just really into wellness. I'm just like into this culture. When really, if I look back on it, it was absolutely the height of my disordered eating and really um, still struggling with my body, with food, with those beliefs I held about trying to perfect what was wrong. So um, long story short, that was really, I think the height of it was in my 20s. And we can kind of talk about when that shifted, but um, it culminated in getting really sick. And this was a big turning point for me, but uh, I got diagnosed with Lyme disease after uh, struggling for a very long time with feeling sick. And that was when I really had to start releasing control and relearning um, or unlearning, I should say, everything I thought I knew about health and wellness and my body and changing that relationship. So yeah, to give you kind of the express version, um, we're talking decades of struggling and really feeling inadequate and feeling like I needed to fix myself in order to be happy, right? In order to uh, be confident and have everything I wanted in life, I constantly felt if I could just get this thing under control, right? If I could just get to the perfect weight, then everything would fall into place. Then I'd be happy. I'd find love. I'd have my dream business. uh, I'd get rich, right? Like my stock would keep rising and rising and everything would be perfect so long as I could just get to that quote unquote, perfect ideal weight. Mm, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, man. So this starts when you're really young and like you, you have the experience of like noticing that you are in a bigger body and then your parents, I mean, bless mm-hmm. them. They're probably not trying to like do you harm they're they're trying to um like have your best interest in mind but like at this young age you download all of these beliefs about like my body is bad it needs to be fixed that gets reinforced by a doctor Mm -hmm. (sighs) that was me stabbing myself Mm -hmm. in the head um and then yeah I I wrote down you you were getting more advanced at fixing your body I just picture 
it's like all these years and years and years trying these different things and it's like next level mm-hmm. more advanced like this time it's gonna work and yeah um, I literally like went for a certification <laughs> like it's it doesn't get more advanced than trying to master your your disordered eating <laughs> mm, yeah and I also want to highlight too like what you said about you didn't on the surface, you're like, this is mm-hmm. fun. You know, I'm super into wellness and stuff. And um, I can totally identify with that too. It's like when you're in it, you don't realize what you're doing is like right. harmful or bad or like just leading you in circles. Yeah. I mean, there's almost a morality to it, right? Like you believe that you are better for it, for, for quote unquote, working on your health or working to be better. And we associate that with being a better person. And, you know, that's a whole nother tangent we could go down, but I really felt like it was, it was, um, honorable to be so motivated to take care of myself. Like that's the way I saw it, right. That I was taking better care of myself and working on my health as opposed to, um, what it truly was, which was a hundred percent aesthetics. Yeah. And also like, if you have this belief that on the other side of your perfect body is, happiness Mm -hmm. and love and a perfect job and money and stuff like of course Mm -hmm. you're gonna devote yourself to that yeah and the irony with that concept of waiting on the weight right waiting until everything until you look perfect um in order to to be happy is that meanwhile your life passes you by right like you don't start dating you don't work on the business you don't go live the life you want because you're waiting on the weight. So it's so like sadly ironic that that's the goal when in reality, you know, life is passing you by while you're stuck in this struggle. Yeah, totally. I had this, uh, I'm, I'm reading health at every size Mm. and I had this epiphany. I was like, holy shit, lives are on the line here. Mm. Like that sounds dramatic, but seriously, so many women are like you're saying, putting everything on hold for this elusive day when like they can finally live. It's like, oh my God. Right. And what is so great about how I'm so glad you're reading that. It's one of our favorite books as well. And what's, what's so eye-opening when you read something like health at every size is that it's, there's so many other factors that play into our health, right. Versus just our weight or just what we're eating or just, you know, on the surface, what we believe we can control, which is an illusion, right? As as she or uh, they talk about in that book, and I think what we are missing in the wellness industry is just all of these other factors, like genetics and income and class and race and all of these other factors that have more of an impact on our health than what we can control or what we are eating. And yet there's an entire industry focused on just that very, very small percentage of things. Um, and again, to go back to like the morality around it, it's, it's almost as if, you know, you're doing something wrong if you're not focused on that weight. So it's a, yeah, that's such a, it's such an amazing book. And so eye-opening. I agree with you. My, my most totally blown when I read that as well. Yes. So if you could pick three keywords to describe that phase of your life when you were really wrapped up in the disordered eating, what would those three words be? Mm, that's a good question. I, I would say frustrated for sure, because it just felt like I was, I was constantly on a hamster wheel. Um, and it was, I guess another word would be erratic, right? Like it was just a roller coaster of up and down chasing something that I never could seem to quite grasp. Um, and probably sad, honestly, like a, like a hopeless sort of sad that there was never a light at the end of the tunnel, or even if it looked like there might be, you know, if you start out on a diet Monday and you're, you're, you have that sense of hope, right. That sense of excitement that this is going to be the time that works. And then by Friday or by the, by the weekend, it's like, you've totally blown it that doing that over and over and over again really contributes to a sense of hopelessness. I think that it's just never going to work. Yes. Oh my gosh. So then what shifted things for you? What happened from there? 
Yeah, it was gradual for sure. Um, it was definitely something I, I think that there were multiple factors, but there was absolutely a turning point um, in terms of, you know, that, that sense of releasing control. So as I said, I really was kind of at the height of disordered eating and um, I was starting to make shifts in my life based on what I wanted a little bit. So I was starting to realize like, I didn't want to live in New York city anymore. I was starting to realize that maybe the relationship I was in wasn't the right one for me at the time. I was starting to kind of wake up. I didn't want to be in the job that I had at the time. I was starting to kind of wake up to all this, um, and make these shifts that I really see this as the start of my sort of personal development journey, if you will, it's a very cheesy way to say that, but sort of the, the start of this entire road to where I am today. So, um, so all that was going on. And then a few months later, I started to get really sick. I started to, um, have symptoms out of nowhere that were just unlike anything I had ever felt before. Um, and long story short, it turned out I had Lyme disease and I didn't, it went undiagnosed for a long time, um, about six months minimum, don't really know. But, um, and so that was a real turning point because I was everything that I had done in the past to try to control my body or control like what was happening uh, or how I was feeling just was not working anymore. Like it was, um, I gained a lot of weight because of hormone fluctuations. I started, uh, I was, my energy was just on the floor. My adrenals were on the floor. I was so stressed out and my mood, like erratic mood swings. I was so, um, I would, if anyone has struggled with Lyme disease, they know this can be a factor, but, and there's a lot of symptoms, right. But I was having these night terrors regularly where it was like very scary. And that was kind of the, the thing that was like, okay, I need to <laughs> figure out what's going on here. Um, so all of this was going on. I get diagnosed finally. And I started working with a naturopathic doctor who really helped me shift my perception of how I was treating my body. Right. I, this whole time I'm thinking, like we talked about, I'm doing this really, I'm working on my health, right. I'm taking the best care of myself possible. I'm really trying to, you know, be feeling the best that I possibly can, which like, wasn't true, right. Like that was all an illusion, but that's what I felt like I was working on. And she helped me really shift from this sort of constant fixing, this constant battling to uh, more self-compassion, to a, a kinder relationship with my body. And part of that was definitely acceptance of what is and of the situation. But instead of like constantly trying to cut everything out or trying to fix my body, it was like, what if we just start like talking to yourself nicely? <laughs> what if we just start like saying affirmations or, you know, journaling about how you're feeling and trying to like comfort yourself, right? There was a lot of um, healing that happened by in that process. And that was really um, when I started to shift into a more compassionate place with my body. Uh, and in the process started unlearning everything that I thought that I knew about food and what I needed to eat and what I needed to, uh, how I needed to exercise and all these rules that I had been clinging to so tightly just sort of started falling away. Um, and it was also, uh, that was, you know, kind of a, a long winded way of saying like, that was sort of the start of when I, um, started learning about intuitive eating. And when I started learning about health at every size, and when I started to really embrace these newer concepts that just in the past, I would have totally rolled my eyes at and just called bullshit on. Um, meanwhile, Dana, my partner at Wellness Lately, and I were still working together on our business, but things had sort of slowed down um, because I was really sick and she was pregnant. And we just sort of you know, had things had simmered a little bit, but we knew we both wanted to keep working on it. So we were starting to work on our business again. I, I moved out of New York. I moved to a new place up here where I am now. I started dating again. I started like figuring out what I wanted my life to look like truly, not just based on the expectations that I used to have for myself or my parents' expectations or the world's expectations, right? what do I want my life to look like? And in the process, I really gave up this idea of waiting on the weight that I had 
lived by for so long. I started doing the things I wanted to do in the body that I had, which was very different than the body I had before. Um, and in the process of working on our business, we started doing a ton of research about intuitive eating and health at every size and learning all these concepts that was sort of a light bulb moment. Oh, that this was what was missing for us in our own struggles with food and body image. Um, this is why past attempts at helping people were never really never felt like a hundred percent accurate, right? Like on the nose, this really started to light us up in terms of what we were doing. Um, so it was kind of this like long windy road to where I am now, but I really, as I guess what I would want to say about that is as hard as that process was to go through that turning point of getting sick and everything kind of falling apart. Um, for me, that was absolutely necessary to get to where I am now in terms of accepting my body, having a kinder relationship with my body, going through all the food stuff and uh, really like creating the life that I want without needing to wait on the body that I thought I needed to have. Wow. That is so beautiful. And it's so cool that you're able to look back and see how it was like all woven together and how the pieces fell into place. And I think it's so cool and interesting how like it started for you with like awakening to your desires. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I don't want to live in New York. Maybe this relationship isn't right and honoring them and, and like taking actions in alignment with like, what do I really want? You know, like reconnecting with your true self was Mm -hmm. kind of the first move. I love that you started with that. That's so cool. Yeah. There's a parallel there, right. Between letting go of expectations. I think when I, when I look back in hindsight, there's, there's sort of this process of unlearning um, expectations for my body and what I thought I needed to look like in order to be happy, but also the rest of life, right? Like unlearning all these expectations I had for myself in terms of my career and my, where I lived and, you know, what I did and who I dated and all of these things. I mean, it's all just piled on expectations. So there's really a parallel, I think, between unlearning it with food and our body and those beauty standards that we have in every area of our life. And of course, the common denominator there is trusting our instincts, right? Or trusting that inner guidance, um, but also like really starting to question those, those expectations and those narratives that, um, that tell us who we are supposed to be, what we're supposed to look like and, you know, in every area of life. So much. Yes. A millions. Um, (laughs) Also something I wanted to highlight is how amazing it is that you're naturopath that you worked at worked with she didn't start with the food with you at all it was about the relationship with yourself was that like I don't know how did you receive that in the moment I guess were you like wait what don't I need to fix what I eat still (laughs) right Right. don't I need to you know detox everything and uh, (laughs) and lose, lose weight and yeah um yes it was very different for me and it was also she was the first person who diagnosed me as well, right? It was, it's a whole struggle to even get a diagnosis sometimes um, because there's so much bullshit with Lyme in terms of insurance and the medical system and et cetera. So the first like great thing was that she even gave me a diagnosis, right? That she affirmed what I knew to be true all along that I just wasn't getting any, any, getting anywhere. Um, So that was like, step one, get a diagnosis. And step two was like, you know, there's sure all these physical symptoms and all of these things that feel really, really terrible. But the way that I was talking to myself, the way that I was, um, like trying to make myself wrong for feeling the way that I did. And the way that I was constantly beating myself up for the weight gain and for, um, you know, doing something wrong to result in this situation was just, she, I think that she kind of saw that right away and was like, oh, we're never, we're not going to get anywhere with the physical stuff. If, if your mind is trash, right? Like if you're just really being a jerk to yourself, it, none of the other things matter, right? You could, you could eat perfectly quote unquote, and you can, um, you know, exercise in the same way and you can do all the physical things, 
but none of that's going to matter. You're still going to feel like shit if you are talking to yourself that way. So it was really eye-opening and it was, there was absolutely some resistance to that, right? Like I was like, I'm not going to like look at myself in the mirror and say affirmations. Absolutely not. Um, But I think I was so desperate. I think I was feeling so shitty that I just was like, you know what? Okay, let's do it. Let's try it and see what happens. And uh, it was definitely releasing that resistance, but it was, I think there was something else in me that I hadn't quite trusted yet that knew that was the right path, but that just kind of was like, we're doing this, just go with it. And, uh, and it worked out. Mm-hmm. It's like the desperation led to an openness and right. gave you an opportunity to listen to that deeper part of you that was like, maybe, maybe we're onto something here. Yeah. And why not? Like nothing else has worked. So why not try it? And, uh, and you just trust the process a little bit, but yeah, it was, you know, it was not all rainbows and butterflies. And there was certainly a lot of other, I guess we'd say work to do, but it started with the mindset and it was just, that was the thing that really, really started to shift everything in terms of my relationship with my body and with myself. That's so powerful. So what was the time period from like, when you do get the diagnosis and begin working on shifting your relationship with yourself and um, like incorporating intuitive eating and health at every size in your business, what was timeline? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, let's see, about probably about two and a half years um, of unlearning everything, like from the time that I was sick to the time I went through the healing and all the recovery and all the unlearning and all of the shifting, um, it was probably about two and a half years. And then we started working on developing our business. So really on our coaching business, we had been working together, Dana and I, for a little while um, and writing a lot, but for a few years, but that about two and a half years later from that point was when my whole process with food and my body shifted. And then we started to work on uh, developing our coaching business, which we currently run now. And that was um, like summer, fall of 2018. So what's it now? 2000. So, you know, now about two and a half years after that. Okay. Gotcha. And so for you, um, after the things started to shift, was your journey to where you are now, this super linear path where there was no challenges and it was just rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. It was just a cakewalk. Yeah. That was it. Check the boxes. Right. And I'm good. Um, no, it was not. And it was, I, I think that anyone who says that it is, is probably full of shit, right? Because there's no way you can go down this path without there being some roadblocks. Um, in my opinion, at least, And it was a lot of, like I said, resistance, a lot of kind of questioning, like, what am I doing? Because it was, it just went against everything that I knew, right? And um, to kind of go back to my childhood, I grew up with like really health conscious parents, right? It was, of course, with the best of intent, like they just wanted me to be healthy and happy, still do. Um, but it was really, you know, that shit is ingrained. And so to, to think things like you can be healthy at any size or think things like weight gain is a, a problem or, you know, something to pathologize, like those things went very much against what I had grown up with and what I believed to be true. So um, not to mention, you know, the health coach training and working in an industry that was constantly tackling weight loss as a problem, right? Um, And constantly coming up with solutions for it. So it was definitely a lot of unlearning. um, And it was a lot of like, when we talk about, you know, I, I think the food stuff is almost easier, right? It's certainly not easy, but it's simpler to give up the restriction and to just start enjoying food again. Um, that's all fine until the weight gain comes, right? Until the body image challenges come. And for me, that was absolutely the big struggle. And I see this with our clients too, right? It's like, okay, I can give up the restriction. I can like eat whatever I want. That sounds wonderful. Um, and then it's like, comes to a screeching halt when you, your pants don't fit. Right. So it's, uh, I had the same challenge and 
that is where I think the self-compassion, it came in so key for me, like really, really diving into self-compassion work. Um, but also like, I think the idea of pushing yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone is so underestimated. Like when we talk about waiting on the weight, like going out to start dating, going out to networking events, going to meet, I had just moved to a new place, right? So going to meet potential new friends, like all of those things are not easy. They take a little bit of pushing yourself, but the more you do it, the more confident you get, the more comfortable you get, um, which is showing up as your true self in the, in the body that you have. That's not to say it's never, you know, that it's easy all the time, but I think the more you do it, the more you reinforce that you truly can stop waiting on the weight, right? You can go live the life that you want. Um, and there's so many factors there, right? There's varying levels of privilege. There's varying levels of weight stigma to navigate. There's, um, we do live in a fat phobic culture, right? So there are very real realities that we have to navigate when working with body image and weight gain. But for me, as someone who was so caught up with my size and my weight and managing that, it was really, really difficult to step into a new life with a bigger body and also like kind of losing an identity, right? After working in the wellness industry for almost a decade, like it was very strange to have this sort of public shift given the nature of our business too, right? From going from someone who was always up on the latest trends and up on the new, you know, the latest diets and people would come to me to talk about dieting or weight loss tips to then shift into this new paradigm was a very, um, strange thing, I would think for a little bit of an identity crisis for me. So that was a factor as well. Um, but yeah, it's never easy. It's never linear. I think it's worth it, but it's, I think anyone who tells you it's going to just be like rainbows and butterflies is, uh, I'd say run the other way. Mm, yes. That was also juicy. I love that you mentioned pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and that being a way to, um, just like on the journey, because it does build a, a different element of self-confidence and it's so separate from like working directly on body image. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. So yeah. for you, I mean, you're, you're having these huge shifts, truly identity shifts and like working through shedding all of these external layers of who you thought you were. And so, yeah, like your inner world is probably like, oh, shit what's happening so what did it actually look like for you in in those moments of maybe like freaking out or feeling badly or whatever like to meet yourself where you are with compassion like what was the dialogue can you just share a little more about that yeah and I think this is such a good question because we don't really we don't often talk about the specifics of body image right we talk a lot about we you hear all the time just love your body no matter what or love it for the way that it is but that's a really hard jump to make if you have been struggling with your body for a very long time, right? So um, there are some logistical pieces of this and we, this is what we teach in our program, but um, I really had to, I think, I mean, first and foremost, it was this idea that I could separate my worth as a human and my value as a person from the way that I looked, right? From my body. And that was not the most important or valuable thing about me. Um, this is where we look at that conditioning, right? As someone who kind of that, that idea was reinforced that I needed to be attractive, that I needed to be thin in order to be happy and successful and loved. Um, I really had to do a lot of thought work around separating the, my ability to be happy and to be successful and to be confident and live the life I wanted in the body that I have, not the body that I thought that I needed to have to, to have all of those things. So that was sort of a big mindset shift for me. Um, we talk a lot about body neutrality in my work because it's sort of this antidote to body positivity, right? That, that we need to be beautiful, that you, you can sort of love your way into being beautiful, right? Or that you can uh, you can just think that you're beautiful no matter what. And what we do is we like to shift the conversation from 
you don't have to be beautiful. That's not a prerequisite for having a great life or for being happy in your life or being confident or successful. So really um, taking my focus off of my looks so much and you know things like spending money on a ton of beauty products or clothes or, you know, and those are all fine. But for me, those were like the most important things, right? Or spending money on exercise or, um, you know, the perfect organic, healthy food, like looking at where my habits were and realizing so many of them laddered up to trying to perfect my appearance. So really for me, separating that, my worth from my weight, and then also looking at my relationship with food and exercise, right? Like giving up the dieting, giving up the constant restriction, the constant on and off cycling. I was never like good at dieting. I was never someone who could actually stick with a diet. It was just that idea, right? Okay. Monday, I'm going to start. This will be the time. This will be the, th- the thing that finally saves me. Right. Um, so giving up that idea that there was another diet around the corner that I was going to be successful at just like letting myself eat and just enjoy food. And I love to cook. That's always been something I love. So really bringing the joy back into food, right? Um, All types of food. And then looking at exercise, like what, what was my relationship with exercise? Because it was very much just about shaping my body and punitive exercise. So looking at what do I actually enjoy doing? What do I actually feel good doing? And shifting exercise to a more compassionate, enjoyable place versus like making myself do something because I felt like I, if I missed it, I wasn't going to lose weight or I wasn't, or I was going to gain weight. Right. Um, and then with the body image as well, like a huge, huge thing is media literacy. So who am I following online? What is the information I'm taking in? Right. Like what newsletters am I getting? Who am I following on Instagram? Looking at what I'm actually taking in what's affecting me and what am I seeing every day Um, and really broadening my horizons in terms of what was out there, who could I follow instead, like who was not focused on fitness or weight or, you know, health even, and really just expanding into what do I actually care about? What do I want to learn about? What do I want to focus my thinking on my mind space on, as opposed to just all of it being wrapped up in health and wellness and changing my body. So those are some of the major things. And there's a lot of other, you know, pieces of body image. But for me, I think those were the biggest in terms of really shifting into a different place in terms of like what actually was helpful in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So practical. And so can you just give us a little snapshot about what your relationship with food and with your body and exercise is like these days? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's like, it's so, uh, I want to say like centered or balanced, but it's just not that roller coaster, that erratic hamster wheel anymore, right? It's just like a stable line. (laughs) And um, I'd use the term neutral as well, based on that idea of just not being something that takes up so much space in my brain, right? I'm not like, thinking about my body size or my weight or my, like what I look like anymore. I'm thinking about other things that I actually care about. So I guess less emotional charge and more, um, you know, off that roller coaster and more on a, a stable, peaceful straight line, as opposed to, um, what it was. And with that is also like really joyful and really fun, right? Like my life is better. My, my, relationships are better. My business is better. Like everything's better, which is so crazy because all these things that I have now in the body that I have now are things that I always wanted when I was stuck in that dieting cycle and beating myself up thinking that I'd never have unless I looked a certain way. (laughs) That's the crazy thing about dieting is this industry makes you think that you need to look a certain way in order to be happy and have the life that you want, but you can absolutely have those things in anybody. It's just that mindset shift and all the work that it takes to get there. But, um, yeah, it's more fun. It's more joyful. It's peaceful. It's content. And it's not this constant striving to be something that I'm not, or that's even possible. Right. And that striving for something that's impossible, like, I feel like that's got to be in the definition of insanity, right? Like just constantly, you know, pushing yourself to, to 
be something that's never going to happen to have a body that's just not genetically possible. Like it's just such a futile effort, right? So um, yeah, happy, I guess. <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of keywords, but it's uh, it's definitely a much better place for sure. And it's just such a joy to help other people down that path now as well. I think that's a huge part of my own healing too, is like looking at the collective now, right? Like how do we, if this had such a major impact on my life and has changed everything for me and I don't spend all my time and money and energy and resources on this problem, like how can we spread that around and help every person, every woman in particular do that? Cause what a different world we would have, right? If like every woman was focused on other things as opposed to fixing her body. Oh my gosh. I'm like, my soul is glowing right now. Okay. You did say a lot of amazing keywords. If you could distill them into three, what mm. would they be? For where I am now. Um, mm. I think peaceful for sure. Um, I think joyful. And I would say neutral like that sounds like a strange word but just like the opposite of whatever that crazy erratic roller coaster was maybe grounded is the right word I don't know but uh that's that's what comes to mind for me is just like it's just not such a thing anymore it's just neutral it just is yeah I had another guest on and she was like I always tell my clients intuitive eating is so anticlimactic because mm-hmm. it's just like all the chaos stops, you know, and that's something I've been thinking about quite a bit is like the absence of something is so freaking powerful. So absolutely. And it's so neutral. Yeah. It's like, I I like that idea of the absence of something being powerful because it is powerful. Like to, to be able to reclaim that all of that, like reclaim your your mind space and your time and your energy, um, is really powerful. And I think it's so wonderful and joyful and exciting, but it's also just like, yeah, it's anticlimactic. Like it's just not a big deal anymore. Food is not something that's just calling your name all the time or that's driving you crazy or something you're obsessing about. It just is kind of just there and it's fine. And it's not a big thing anymore. It's a, it's a relief. That might be another word too. I'd use. It's just such a relief to not to put this struggle behind you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how uh, you kind of alluded to this. Um, can you share more about how this inner transformation has affected other areas of your life and mm. how you show up? Yeah. I mean, I think I would kind of jump back to, um, showing up for my life and any in the body that I have, like, to me, that is the real crux of this, right? Is like, not only just going to live your life, despite what society is telling you about how you should look and just like, it is somewhat revolutionary for women to go and stop dieting, not care anymore about what they look like, right? Or at least care so much. Um, But I think for me, the main theme would really be trusting myself and trusting that inner voice and being guided by that. Like I listen to that intuition now where I, I didn't, I really didn't in the past. Right. I think of so many things like where I was living and my, my relationship that I was not happy in and my job that I was unfulfilled in. Like there were so many areas where I, I just kind of was on autopilot, not really listening or ignoring that voice inside me that said something different, something better is available. Um, and it's the same with food, right? Like we, the more we trust our body's instincts and our body's intuitive cues, the more I think that we can trust that voice in every area of life. And so following that inner voice, even when it's really scary, cause it is scary, right? Like even when it's tough to, to like, if we think about dieting, like giving up dieting is really, really scary. Even if you have some sort of inner ping saying this is the right way, that's really scary. It's the same with other things, right? Like the same with going for it in business or in any area of life. I think being able to trust that inner voice is so important for me at this point in my life, because I lived for so long, not listening to that and just kind of numbing it out and just pretending it wasn't there. 
Um, so that is really, I think the, the key theme in all of this for me, at least, and I see it with a lot of our clients is like, you have an intuition, trust it, use it, be guided by it. And, uh, it really can't steer you wrong. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so how do you see this? Or I guess, what am I trying to ask? I'm, I'm connecting this to building confidence. Cause like, mm. you know, we, something I've seen on y'all's Instagram, just talking about this idea. We feel like when we have that certain body, that's when we'll be confident. And I feel like mm -hmm. confidence is something that so many, I mean, humans, but especially women desire. And so how have you found this journey of like getting in touch with your intuition and following it has affected your confidence? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, I think the key piece is trusting our intuition to get clarity about what we want, right? Because if we don't have clarity about what we want, what we want our life to look like, it's really, really hard to build confidence. And by engaging with that clarity, once we, once we find it, I think we build confidence by working toward what we want. So I'll give you an example, like with our business. Um, and the other thing too, just to slip in is I think sort of letting go of the idea of failure is a piece of this too. Like you can't fail at trusting your intuition or at something like intuitive eating, right? Because even if you, um, you know, make a mistake or something goes a little sideways and you thought it did like, that's just feedback. It's just data. Right. And we just, it doesn't have to completely derail us. Um, so for me, like getting clarity about what I wanted my life to look like, then I could really put all my energy into focusing on that. And I, the more clarity we have, the more like, you know, focus that we have about what we want to work toward or what we want to see or a vision, I think that's how we build confidence is actually taking steps toward that as opposed to just kind of like flailing around, not trusting ourselves. Like I think about myself back, you know, in my early twenties or even mid twenties, like thinking that I was doing something that I had to be doing or living in a way that was according to expectations and really not being sure of what I wanted at all. Right. Like having no North star that I was kind of working toward. So for me, getting clarity about what I wanted to feel like in my life, where I wanted to live, who I wanted to be in a relationship with, what I wanted my business to look like, working toward all of that has helped me build confidence because there's going to be setbacks and mistakes and failures. But the more specific we can get about where how we want to feel, I think the more the easier it is to stand up confidently saying, this is where I'm going this is what I want to feel like. And none of the other shit kind of matters. Like once I got clear on what I wanted my life to look like, it was, it was harder to think, well, my body needs to look a certain way in order to get there. Right. Because none, my body size was not required for anything that I wanted or anything that I wanted to feel. So that sort of just falls away when you're focused on creating something and working toward meaningful goals and pursuing the life that you want, your body becomes irrelevant, really. It becomes like your looks kind of fall off as a piece of that puzzle, right? Like it's just not important anymore. So when we can shift our mind space toward more meaningful things and things that light us up and bring us joy, and we have clarity around that, which in that clarity comes from that intuition, right? Um, getting quiet and listening to our intuition about what we want and <laughs> like first asking, like, what do I actually want? Um, the more we can work toward that place and not as opposed to the expectations that we have for ourselves or that society has for ourselves. I think that's how we build confidence. And that's how we, and we just keep working toward that vision because the more you're, if you keep going, if you keep you know, walking toward there, you're going to get somewhere. It might take a long time. There might be setbacks, but you're going to get somewhere. And the further along we get, the more we build confidence. I feel like I'm rambling a lot, <laughs> but that's my kind of idea of, uh, of creating clarity in order to build confidence. That was an amazing ramble. I loved that <laughs> breakdown. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought up the like reframing failure because I feel like that's such a 
confidence crusher is like mm-hmm. being in the space of I failed or even being in the space of like, I'm afraid of failing. Like yeah. that's such an inhibitor too. So right. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we see that with our clients a lot, right? Like I'm afraid that something like intuitive eating won't work for me, or I'm afraid that this is just going to be another thing, another diet I fail at. And first of all, intuitive eating is, can never be a diet. So it's not something that you're like on off pass fail, right? If there's no wagon, you can't fall off the wagon. Right. So I feel like with, with intuitive eating, a lot of women say, well, how will I know this will work for me? And there is no, as long as you are just listening to your body and trusting your body, again, there's no way that can steer you wrong because it's all, anything that happens is just feedback to listen to. It's just data. And it's when we don't listen to our hunger or we numb that out, or we listen to, you know, other people's diet guidance based on what we're supposed to eat or when, or how much that's when we fail, but we can never fail by tuning in and listening to what our bodies need because no one knows best. No one knows better than you, I should say. You are the expert on your body. So it can never, there's just no possibility for failure when you're listening to what you need. We just have to get in touch with those cues. That's where the work is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ah, okay. This is so juicy. Good. <laughs> so last question to wrap things up today. What are your words of wisdom or encouragement to someone on their journey who is struggling and Mm. um, maybe the past version of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, it depends on the context, but I would say, I have to say, get support, right? I have to say that you do not have to do this alone, that there are people who have walked through it, who can guide you through it. Um, so just getting support, getting help, whoever it's with, I would say, you know, if it's in the area of diet recovery, um, or binge eating or emotional eating, like working with someone who is in, uh, has the lens of intuitive eating and health at every size is not focused on weight loss because that is never going to help in your, in your body image and diet recovery. If the focus is still on weight loss. Right. So I have to say get support because you can do it alone, right? You can do it the way that I did, which like, you know, took forever. So you can do that. Um, but even I didn't do it alone. I had my naturopath and, and I work with Dana, like it's, you know, doing it alone is not only really isolating, right. But it takes a lot longer and it can really derail you when you have those hard moments, right. When we have those really sticky body image moments, that's sometimes when we want to go back to the diet cycle. And so if you have someone guiding you through that process and you have someone to turn to and say like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with right now. It's a lot easier to get to the other side and have that peace with food in your body because you don't have those moments that will derail you, um, and throw you back into that cycle. So a get support, Um, and be just like knowing you can trust your body, right. That you can listen to your body. It's never going to guide you wrong. Just starting to tune into that and what you need, as opposed to all the other rules and guidelines and meal plans and, you know, everyone telling you what to do and what to eat, you know, best, your body knows best. So really starting to tune into that and blocking out all the noise, um, is where I would start if you're kind of like getting down this path and like, I, this sounds good, but I'm not really sure. Just experiment with letting go of the rules and just starting to listen to your body and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. Retweet. Yes. (laughs) So good. Bridget, this has been so amazing. How can, um, those listening connect with you, get in touch with you, learn about all your amazing offerings, all that good stuff. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you as well. Um, We are at wellnesslately.com. It's kind of our home base where you can find all of our resources. Uh, We have a blog, we have um, an awesome free class. If this is sort of like intriguing for people, we have a really in-depth masterclass that goes over all of this in detail so they can find that at wellness, wellnesslately.com slash masterclass. It's the five shifts to end binge eating. 
And um, we also have a podcast by the same name, Wellness Lately, where we talk a lot about some of this stuff in more detail. And uh, we're on Instagram. That's probably the best place to connect with us on social media. We're at wellness underscore lately. Beautiful. And all of that will be in the episode description. So those listening can just pop on over and Yay. check it all out. Yeah. We're always here for questions. So anyone can always reach out to us or jump on a free call. We do free breakthrough calls. So we're always here if, uh, if anyone wants to chat or has questions about this stuff. Mm. Thank you so much for, again, just coming on. You have such a like warm, grounded, joyful essence about you, which aligns yeah. with everything you just shared about your journey. So yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. It was great to chat, Jenny. I appreciate being here. Yeah, have a great weekend. It's Friday. Bye. Yeah, I am so glad that you chose to queue up Think to Thrive today. This is a meaningful step towards your goal, so kudos to you. Hey, question. How can you make someone else's day better today? Think about it. And tune in to the next episode of Think to Thrive. I'm Jenny. Thanks for listening. Thank you.